Thanks for being here. We are starting a new series today, and I'm fired up about it. Um, I wrote the uh, the last half of it on the airplane, um, so hopefully it's good and coherent. And um, but we are starting a new series called Big Mess, and I just absolutely love this picture of a uh, a Barbie doll with uh, crazy hair. Um, and I'm going to explain what I mean by the Barbie doll. I'm going to explain what I mean by the big mess. Um, and here's, here's what I want you to do today, um, and I'm going to do it too. You need a break. And I don't mean a vacation. I can't do that for you. Um, but you need a, a break right now. And we often talk about a, a, a deep breath or a pause, and you definitely need that. But what you need a break from is the pressure of trying to be something you're not. And you need to know this morning, and you may, you may not hear it until about halfway through this sermon because you've got so much stuff going on in your life, but you need to know this ser- that right here, right now, whatever you brought in, whatever, whatever mess you brought in here today, mentally, physically, spiritually, some of, those, some of the messes you brought in you left in the back room with my wife at Kids Life, um, whatever you brought in today, you need to know that just like you are right now, you are accepted and loved by God, that there is nothing that you have going on in your life that pushes you far from God. Even the sin, even the messed up stuff, God wants you how you are. He loves you too much to keep you that way, but right here, right now, you don't have to be any more than you are to be what God created you to be. And he will lead you the rest of the way if you give up um, your life to him today. And so I just want to give you a deep breath this morning. And those of you who have been around um, for a while know we do this every week. Um, and I, I just had a conversation with somebody last week that said this is, it's starting to become religious. It's starting to become ceremonial, like one more thing we do every week. And I hope that's not true of you because during this one minute, this whatever 45 seconds it is, what I'm hoping that God does in you is begin to calm your heart and your life. You're mad at somebody today. You are frustrated about something right now. You are anxious about something going on in your life right now. And if you're not careful, what it will happen is that will become the most important thing that happens in your next 30 minutes. And you'll hear me talk a little bit, but it'll be filtered by the junk that's going on in your life. So here's, what, here's the promise of God today. If you will quiet your heart, he doesn't speak over your life. If you will quiet your heart and just say to him, God, and this is all you have to say, even if you don't, you've never prayed before, you can do this. Just under your breath, say this to God. God, you first. Right here, in this 30 minutes, whatever golf round I got this afternoon, whatever plans I have to watch the race, whatever things I got going on, all of it's on pause, God. You first. You'll be glad you did. So that's what I want to do during this time. And it might be that your life is so loud today that you just need to keep saying that over and over. You first, God. You first, God. You first, God. And that's what your prayer will be for 45 seconds. Whatever it is this morning, I want you to do it right now. And uh, then we'll jump right into this. Let's be quiet together. God, in the quiet of this room right now, we put you first. 
God, even those of us in the room who have doubted this week, we choose right now to put you first. The sin in our life, the stuff that we can't seem to get rid of, that we desperately know we need to, we, we put all of that behind us right now to, to listen to what you have to say and to put you at the top of our lives. Would you be honored by that in such a way that it speaks to us today? Just like Linda said in her prayer this morning, God, would you, would you be strong in the way you speak to us today? And we'll listen in your son's name. Amen. Well, I, I'm sure you won't be surprised that the, the idea of a big mess um, didn't just come from, uh, from me praying about this. It did very much. I prayed a, a lot about it. But it also comes straight from my life. That there have been in my life over and over and over again big messes. And I, I don't know, in, in my life, um, I, I can start to kind of quiet the, the, the emotional mess and the trauma in my life if I quiet the physical mess. So in my house, um, I have, since Risha and I have been married, um, I have been the keeper of the cars. And my job is to clean up the cars. And I've done it every Saturday um, without, I mean, with some caveats, but pretty much every Saturday, it's my routine to go open her car and I open her car door, and normally, and I, we have two different cars, and I drive mine, and I keep mine pretty clean, but I use Saturday time to vacuum out, you know, and all those things. But when I open her car door on a Saturday, I can tell you how hard her, her week has been by how many things roll out when I open the door. Now, now, some of you are like this, too. You open the door, and if it's a McDonald's sack, I know lunch was tough this week. <laughs> If it's a, she has water bottles, she has banana peels often. It's the banana peels that drive me nuts that sit there, you know. Um, and, and all of this stuff, and I can look at it, and I will, I just love her so much. She is the most loving, most laid-back human, and it is so good for me. But that part of the laid-backness drives me up a wall. And I need to start my week with as a little physical mess as possible. Now, she's a great housekeeper. She does a great job, and we work really hard together to keep the house clean. And it is straight almost all the time, I mean, it, before we go to bed every night. But the car is her place to just let it out, you know. And so uh, when I go to clean that car, I think about a lot um, what her, her week must have been like. And she'll say this to me. I'll come in, and we've been married for so long now, and I've been doing this for so long. I'll come in with all this stuff. I have a handful of stuff that I bring in that is stuff that is, like, not trash, but stuff that shouldn't be in the car. You know, if you've got kids, you know exactly what I mean, you know. Um, parts of toys that the kids have left in the car, and you're not even sure what they are, and books and things. So I'll bring that pile in, lay it down, and I'll just look at her, and she'll say, don't judge me. You don't know what my life has been like this week, you know, because I'm at work and she's taking care of the kids and she's right. And, and as we talk about the mess today um, and, and throughout this series, I, w- I want you to think differently about the messes, both in your life and the stuff that you see around you. Right now, many of us are talking about the messes that we see without looking at our own. And it, when, you, when it comes to politics, isn't it really easy to go look in Washington, D.C. and talk about the mess. Just point at messes and point at people. It's so much fun for us. Somehow in the deepest part of who we are, it is so much fun and it almost feels like it gives us energy to be able to look at a celebrity who has all this stuff and point at their mess. You need to know today that not only is that not how God wants you to live your life, but it will creep in to the way you think and it will creep into the way that you have a relationship with God. And eventually, it will cause a bigger mess 
in your own life. So we're going to talk about that today and throughout this series. What I'm hoping is that you will, right now, if you would do two things for me. One, I want you to think about a big mess in your life. And it can be something that's going on right now or something that went on years ago. For me, when I was writing the sermon, I was thinking a lot about my divorce. Biggest mess I've ever been through, and I didn't even have kids. <laughs> um, terrible mess. And then I would like for you to think of somebody in your life, some, somebody you love desperately, not somebody you point to and somebody that you barely know their name, but somebody that you know really well, that you care about deeply. I want you to think about their mess. And I want you to hold those two as we go through this today. Your mess is meant by God. Did you know that? This, the messes that we have in our life, whether it's emotional, physical. Some of you brought in financial messes um, today, and I, I've seen them drive in, you know. <laughs> um, that you can tell sometimes um, by, uh, by what somebody's driving about where their finances are at times. Sometimes you can tell um, where somebody is, how somebody is financially messed up by, by the way that they, uh, they're stressed out. Um, they've, they're getting a lot of phone calls. They're getting a lot of things. Um, but there are two reasons that God has... Um, has allowed these messes in our life, and we're going to talk about them throughout this series. The first one is this, to remind you of who you are. It reminds you when you're going through something awful, and I I don't know what you all are going through. Some of you I do, Um, so it's really hard. Can you imagine what it would be like to stand on the stage and talk about people's messes when you love them so much and know them personally? This is hard, because I I know that some of you are going through some awful things, and I don't want to pretend today to minimize it by putting a doll up here on the screen, but I do want you to know that the messes that you have in your life, God intends for you to get something out of. Um, whether it's a physical thing you've got going on. Some of, some of us have messes of our body. I've got, I've got some physical things going on. I'm, I'm, I turned 40 this year, um, or you, many of you saw that. Um, turned 40 in July, and, and all of a sudden, as soon as I turned 40, things started hurting that I didn't ever do anything to hurt. I don't, I don't understand that, you know. Up until 40, if something hurt, it's because I hit it on something, or I bent it wrong, or I, but now I, like, wake up, and I'm like, there's, why is, I didn't even know there was a muscle right there, but I pulled an ankle muscle somehow, you know, and all of that's starting to happen, and I've got that mess, but all of these happen. One is to remind you of who you are, remind you that God is in control, and that the thing about a mess is it's, when it's out of control, you, you realize that, man, there's not much you can do at times. And you have to call on a higher power. The second reason is, it's to remind you of who others are. This was a big deal to Jesus. And as you think about that second mess today, that person that you know, that, that human that you love that has a mess, I want you to hold in suspense how you think about it right now. And I want you to, to, to as you go through this, especially if you're a Christian here today and you're thinking you want to live like Jesus lived, you need to hear how Jesus feels about mess. Um, when he would run into people who were dealing with messes, he saw them differently. And he, he, he really did not just see what they're going through, um, but he saw the human behind it. This is something that, as a preacher, um, sometimes I get a little too honest up here, but I'll just be real honest with you today. As a preacher, this has been something I have prayed to God to help me with because I often, especially if I get a phone call in the middle of the week and somebody wants to, me to come and take away from my family time or come in the middle of the day um, and visit them because they've got a family member who is an addict and they're having an intervention or something like that, I walk in with this presupposition and I look at them and I don't see the person. I see the mess, you know? And it, it colors my conversation. It colors the way the, the, the whole conversation goes and the way 
my ministry works. And if I'm not careful, I begin to see messes. Jesus had this amazing ability. And I think it was partly because he's God and he could see into the heart of people. But he also wanted us to know that as humans, this is possible for us to have. I have friends and family in my life who do this all the time. Have you ever been with a family member or a friend and you're just gossiping like crazy? You're just completely talking about somebody awful and then they say something nice about them? <laughs> and you're like, well, who invited you anyway? <laughs> you know? There, there are people in our life who, who can do this. My dad is one of those. He does a really good job of talking um, well about people. But Jesus began to see people for who they were. And if you remember, at this point in history, um, Jesus was, was a, a new voice. He was a whole new voice ab- from God. And most religious people, in fact, all of the world, even if they didn't believe in, in the, the creator God, um, Yahweh, that, that uh, Jesus believed in, most people believed that God's job was judge. That his job was judgment, and it was to somehow look at your life, compare it to what is right, and then judge what was left over. And so when Jesus came, what people felt like is one of two things. Either he was a prophet, and a prophet was somebody who was reminding you that God has a, a, a standard he wants you to live by, and you're not there. And a prophet would often talk to the middle, the things that were between what you're doing and what God wants you to do, and he would scream and he would yell, and sometimes he would, he would cuss. I mean, they got so upset, these guys lived in the middle between your lack of doing what God wants you to do. And a lot of people felt like Jesus was the next prophet. He was the next person to come and just tell them there's a big gap between what God wants you to do and who you are. And then there was another group of people who felt like maybe Jesus was God. Maybe he was the Messiah. Even if he is the Messiah, what they believed was he was going to judge the people around him. That all the people who had treated them bad for all these years, Jesus was going to finally get them. He was going to be the, the, the superhero that came in and saved the day for them. And so when Jesus came, these people that were following him were expecting judgment. And they got so, something so different. In fact, Jesus, he was standing on a big hill one day, and a bunch of people were around him. There were Christian people around him, not Christians, obviously, at that point. Nobody was a Christian. Um, but there were people who followed him, and there were people who didn't follow him. It's one of the reasons here at New Life that you'll hear me say a lot, um, especially if you're a leader around here, that my biggest passion for New Life is to fill this place full of people who believe and people who don't believe. I want to see people in these pews who do not believe. I'm hoping you're listening to me today and you're going, I don't know what you're talking about and I'm not even sure if I believe you because Jesus had that following too and it created this buzz. And Jesus stood on this hill and hundreds of people, thousands even, started to follow him and listen to him. And he would get up on a hill and he started talking and he said, he's looking at the religious leaders at this point. First he gets in Matthew um, verse, or chapter 5, he looks at all the people and you can see him almost looking at directly at people. He, he talks to a group of people who are far from God. People who the religious people keep pushing away from God. Keep saying, hey, God wants you to be like this and you guys are like this and God's gonna get you. And that's the message of the religious world. So Jesus talks to both groups of people and he starts with the people who are far from God. He looks at them first and he says, guess what guys? God is on your side. He is on your side. And the religious people just get angry. What do you mean God is on your side? He says, yeah, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Like spiritually poor. Like somehow you're not connected to God. 
God wants you to know he's on your side in that moment. He wants to be where you are. The religious people get so mad about this, and they begin to, to judge. They begin to talk, and Jesus says, okay, now it's your turn. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, he looks right at the religious people, anybody who is making judgment on somebody else, and he says this. By the way, if you're writing um, a lot on Facebook about politics right now, look up here for a second, okay, read this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Raise your hand if you've heard this before. Yeah, most of you. If you're, if you're listening online, don't raise your hand, especially if you're driving. So the idea here is a, it's, it's joke, it's humor. It's, it's basically Jesus looks at somebody, and my guess is he did this all the time. My guess is he, he probably picked up something and, and he, he, he had a, a plank of wood sitting there and, and he took this big plank and he probably put it up next to somebody's head and he said, you know, this is what's happening. You're looking at somebody and there is a plank in your own eye. There's like this plank and you can't get it out and, and it's, it's affecting everything. And how do you walk around with a plank? And probably people start laughing. Jesus was a great storyteller and it was funny. I could see Jesus walking with a plank in his eye going like this. And then he says, and you, what you're doing? You're looking at your brother, the people that are close to you, and you're going, hey, you got a little sawdust there. You look silly. Jesus goes, how ridiculous is this? Man, this made the religious people mad. And then he says something. That, that I think we take for granted. Most of you have heard this before, but I want you to listen a little differently today. Look what he says. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Now the answer to that question is, that's ridiculous. Who would do that? He says, you're a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite at this point is not what you think it is now. And we think of a hypocrite as somebody um, who says one thing and does another, right? That's what we call In fact, if you haven't been to church for a while, you've probably used that excuse. They're all hypocrites. And you're right. Let me take that for me. You're right. We're all hypocrites. We, none of us are living what we say we're living. We're trying. But you're right. And we have created this word hypocrite. Um, or we've used this word hypocrite so much that we have now attributed something. But Jesus, when he used the word hypocrite, what people would have heard was actor. Because the word hypocrite was a Greek, in, in the Greek was a word that would have meant like you're, you're literally on stage, you're, a, you're in a play, you're actually doing something. You're not just saying something and doing something else, you're actually pretending to be something. Which is one of the most offensive things you can do with God. He says you're a pretender, you're an actor if you're doing this. And then he says this, so that second person today, whoever that second person is that's a mess in your life, that has a big mess right now, I want you to think about them for a second. Here's what he says you've got to do when it comes to the mess. He says, first, take the plague out of your own eye. Why? Because you can't see clearly with that plank in your eye. And what it will do is it will cause you to see that mess instead of that person. You will only see the speck. You will only see the awful mess. You will only see the sin. You will only see the awful thing. And when you only see that, there is only one thing you will do as a human. And that is judge harshly. So as long as you have a speck, a plank in your eye, it's causing you to not be able to see the person instead of just the mess. Now, I want to talk to you about your mess in this series, absolutely. But you need to know as your preacher, 
I am desperately before I die. I don't know how soon that will be, so I'm working really hard at it. Before I die, I want to see a church in a community who can live without pulling a speck out of the people's eyes around them. I want to see a church who can look in a community and not talk about the gay people in the community without ever meeting one or knowing them at all, without ever speaking to them, without ever loving them first, without ever knowing. I want to see a church who can speak to humans instead of to messes. I want to see a group of Christians, and I want to lead it, and I want to be one. And by the way, I'm not doing either right now. I'm getting closer, and we're getting closer. But when we see big messes, Christians have a tendency to point at the mess and miss the human. And if you don't know the human, if you haven't felt what the human feels, you don't pull the speck out of their eye. Can I get an amen or a breath or something? Because here's the thing. Jesus, this is one of the things that affected and angered Jesus mostly. You know, when you think about Jesus in his life, mostly what you think about is, is the way he loved people, the way he saw people, the way he, um, he interacted with people. And there were times when Jesus was so angry that it, it, it almost looked like sin. And we know it wasn't, but when we look at it, the reason Jesus was angry almost always It had to do with somebody who was trying to point out a big mess in somebody else's life who they didn't even know and they did not even try to walk in their shoes, didn't even try to have the empathy that God asks us to have. The thing about the mess is, if you can see the person in the mess, whoever that person is in your second scenario, it'll bring you together. And if you can get to a point where you can meet the person, you can go, here's what happens. This happens to me all the time. I, um, I've got a friend who, I'm not going to get too deep in this, but I can tell you that if you are a conservative Christian, you would be shocked that I hang out with this person. Um, this person is not at all like the people in this room for the majority. This person is, um, you would consider to be far from what you believe and what I believe in a lot of ways and the way they live their life. And when I met them, my thought was, Oh my goodness, <laughs> I've never been around this before, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. And I decided to hang out with them anyway. We went to lunch, um, and I sat across from this person, and you can, you can tell by looking <laughs> that they, them and a preacher don't sit very often together. And we sat across from each other, and I looked at tattoos, and I looked at piercings, and I looked at lifestyles and I looked at choices and that's all I looked at the first time we met and I walked away thinking I hope I'm, 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 I'm just being honest right now I hope I don't hear from them it was uncomfortable it was weird and all I saw was mess I ran into her at a, at a uh, fast food restaurant she works at in Bloomington and um, she said man since we've talked um, I've just been thinking a lot about God. And my initial thought was, huh, because all I've been thinking about is your mess. <laughs> and she said, I need to speak with you again. Can we have lunch together again? And I invited my wife, and the three of us went to lunch. And on the way there, I decided, what, what, if, what if I didn't see the messes? What if instead I, I saw the person, and I tried it? 
on the probably the hardest case for this I've ever had in my life. And I walked out of that room, and I, I could not believe the perspective that God gave me in that moment. And here's what I mean by this. What I quit doing was going, she is awful in that way, she is awful in that way, and she is awful in that way. Here's what I did when I walked out of there. She is just like me in that way. She is just like me in that way. She is just like me in that way. We are the same person. We are the same mess. And in that moment, I realized this is why I have my messes. This is why. You want to know why we go through these messes in our life? Because God wants you to know he's in charge. And because God wants you to know you're just like the people that you're pointing at. That your messes are the same as theirs. And in his eyes, they're the same thing. He says, sin, farness from God, causes him to be broken from you. And there aren't levels of it. Did you know that? The the word amartia is the word for sin in Greek. And it's like, you miss the mark. The idea is, an amartia is a, um, it's it's an arrow that an archer would shoot. And the idea is, if you miss the the center of the mark, it's called a sin, an an amartia. And if um, if you miss it by two inches, it's the word sin. It's the word amartia. If you miss it by two feet, Guess what? There's not another word. It's still missing the mark. And this is why God chose this. Now, are there separate consequences? Yeah, you miss it by too much, you're going to hit and kill a cow probably. But the truth is, when it comes to the way God sees you, the way God sees me, you have missed the mark. I have missed the mark. And so has the girl who sat across from me. And it's God's decision by how far she's missed and what to do about it my choice and it's my job to look into her life and see me and put myself in her shoes and I gotta tell you it's been one of the most gratifying relationships I've ever had still don't agree with all of her lifestyle choices but you know what I've realized it's not my business it's not my business you know how hard it was for me to do this because in church what I've learned what I heard so much growing up was that my job was to somehow protect integrity of the world around me and when I did that and I made that my choice I quit protecting my own and now as an adult I'm reading these pieces of scripture and going God doesn't need me to protect the integrity of the people around me that's his job my job is to love them and to help them through their mess and to understand their mess if we could do this if if we left all the other things that Jesus said If we didn't do any of the rest of them and we just did this, it would change the world. If we just could sit across from somebody that we look at as a mess and feel what they feel, this would change the world. And Jesus knew it. The mess brings us together. And if we can get that, it'll change us. So here's what I want you to do. Back one slide there, Nathan. Just hit the backspace there. When you see a mess in somebody, this week. This is as practical as it gets, all right? So take notes. I'll put this on the website too. When you see a mess this week, whether it's something that one of the candidates say that you roll your eyes at, whether it's somebody at work who's doing something, whether it's your husband, whether it's a friend, instead of your first thought being, I can't stand that person. I hate what they said. I hate who they are. They are idiots. Try this just, just for a week, every time. See if you can say this to yourself. You'll have to write it down, but after you say it a couple times, it'll come to you. I know a mess when I see one, because I am one. 
they are a mess. And boy, do I know messes because I'm one too. If you can see people first that way, this will not only change the way you deal with them, this will change the way you deal with God. You know what Jesus said? This made religious people so mad. And if you're a religious person today, there's a chance there's a part of you going, that makes me mad. And I'll tell you why. Same thing happened in Jesus' day. And he said, hey, I know you're mad. I'm not going to make it easier. I'm going to make it harder. Let me tell you this. If you can't forgive the people, if you can't look at the people around you and see the person instead of the mess, and you can't forgive them, God won't forgive you. Now, I believe in that moment that there was a separate conversation, that, that there wasn't this matter of eternity at stake when Jesus talked about that. But Jesus wants to be very clear that in, in your relationship with God, the idea of grace is meant for you to receive it from God and give it to other people. And if you aren't giving it to other people, there is a problem with the system. And Jesus was saying that measure of grace you give other people affects the measure of grace you get from God. It somehow works. And I don't want to sit here today and exposit that, but I can tell you this, that it affects the relationship you have with God. The thing about your mess, Jesus makes clear, you can go on now, Nathan, is that your mess brought God near. You know, throughout history, God flooded the earth. There's fire. There's this incredible thing in Numbers chapter 16. You should read your Bible. Crazy piece of scripture. Unbelievable story. Numbers chapter 16, um, God asked the the Israelites to do something that they, again, have not done. And he asked them over and over and over. And it's going to affect their children. It's going to affect all of their culture. And they don't do it. And they don't do it. And they don't do it. And he keeps showing grace. And then finally he says, all right, I am going to send an earthquake. And it is going to destroy everything in your area. And it's going to open up the earth. But anybody who takes a lampstand and lights it and puts it outside their tent, I'll protect them. So this was like, even in the midst of all the things you've done, you're just going to put this outside your tent, and it's going to show this one act of obedience and this one act of faith in God. And very, very few people did it. And the earthquake started. Numbers chapter 16. The plague started, and the earth opened up. And literally cracks in the earth. People started falling in. And Moses and Aaron, who were old, old men at the time, there's this beautiful picture of them lighting lampstands and running to tents and putting lampstands outside tents. And then the number 16 said, and where, where uh, Moses and Aaron sat, stood with their lampstands, they stood between the living and the dead. <laughs> Superheroes. These men who ran with lampstands to, to help protect. And in that moment, many, many thousands of people died and there was this anger and this judgment from God and we see these pictures over and over and over of God getting angry and and kind of showing his anger and doing some things that are really judgmental on on people who are broken and for really good reasons and we see that throughout history and when Jesus comes people are expecting that the same thing will happen that Jesus is bringing a new level of anger judgment and frustration from God he's you know they expect about what a lot of Christians say that isn't from Jesus by the way that that uh, God just can't wait to destroy the the earth that he just can't wait when everything gets bad how much longer is God going to wait he just can't wait like he's holding back somebody hold me back I can't wait to destroy them it's not at all how God works and it's not at all Jesus's message in fact Jesus came and he introduced a whole new topic he introduced the topic of grace and it was so different 
And, G- and this time, God says, you know what? This time, I'm not going to send a flood. I'm not going to send an earthquake. I'm going to send a once and for all Savior that won't be based on what they do, but will be based on what he does. So he sent Jesus. And few people understood what Jesus was doing. In fact, to this day, I think few Christians understand what Jesus did. John 3.16, you've heard this before, says this, for God so loved the mess. It got so messy down here that God so loved the world and he so loved the mess that he gave his only son to live right smack dab in the middle of the mess so that whoever believes in him, not whoever obeys all the laws. See, Jesus' new plan is you believe first and then you obey. That's the way it goes. Whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die in an earthquake and a flood. In fact, even better than that, they will have everlasting life. And then he says, just to be clear, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus into the world like a flood or, or like a, uh, an earthquake to come and start pointing at people and saying, you're far from God and you're far from God and you're far from God and sat in exact opposite. Jesus started coming and going, God's on your side. God's on your side. God's on your side. And now there is a new thing available. It's a new deal from God. It's a new way of looking at God and it's a new opportunity for human beings to make connection with the creator of the universe. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, over and over and over, did not miss his calling. In fact, when all the rest of the guys around him, all the, all the disciples and all the religious leaders would go, hey, why are you hanging out with those people, the, the sinners, the prostitutes, the messed up people? And he would, he would go right back to this. I'm here to save the sick. I'm here, to, I'm here to go saving people. I'm not here to looking for the good people. I'm here looking for the bad people and saving them. Jesus always saw the heart instead of just the big mess. I believe sincerely that the hope of the world, and let's just make it more clear than that on Memorial Day weekend, I believe the hope of the United States of America does not depend on our next president. The hope of the United States of America does not depend on prayer in schools, does not depend on the Second Amendment. I believe the hope of, the, of, the, of America, I believe the hope of America with all of my heart is right in this building. I believe the church is the hope for the world. This is what Jesus told Peter, you're going to be a rock and the gates of hell won't stand against it. And if we're not careful as a church, we will be so concerned with condemning the world that we will miss the very purpose. And here's the thing. New Life Christian Church, the world is going to get saved by God through the church, with or without us. It's just a matter of whether or not we want to be involved. And the way we are involved is not picketing around the courthouse. It's seeing hearts instead of messes. Jesus introduced a whole new topic, a whole new concept, grace. All the people um, were around Jesus one day, and there was a big group of people, and there was like the worst of the worst, this little guy named Zacchaeus. And if you, uh, 
if you were, grew up in church, you know he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Um, Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see, and he saw Jesus coming. And, and I, wake up for a minute if you've been asleep, because this is an amazing story. And he, he saw Jesus coming, and he probably thought one of two things. Either one, there comes the guy who could send me to hell, or there comes the guy who could save my life. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was the worst of the worst. He took money from the poor. He took money from the rich. He took money from the old woman on the corner. He took candy from kids. He took whatever he could take from anybody at any time with no consequences thought of at any time. And he was a little guy. He didn't know how it was going to react with Jesus. And so he climbed up into the tree to get a distance from Jesus. And he wanted to see what would happen. I don't know if you're listening today and you feel like Zacchaeus. The worst of the worst. Far, far from God. You don't, believe, you don't believe and you don't belong anywhere near God. But you need to know, maybe you found yourself st- sitting up in a sycamore tree. Maybe not literally, unless you're deer hunting, that happens. Maybe you found yourself far from God today, peeking in to go, what's Jesus going to say to me? Here's what he says to Zacchaeus. <laughs> All the people saw that Zacchaeus um, was in the tree. And Jesus walked and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. He's like, well, at least he didn't hang me from the tree, you know. Zacchaeus, come from the, down from the tree. And as he's coming down, he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to come to your house today. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter. And he said, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. Which, by the way, what was like Jesus' M.O. But Zacchaeus stood up which nobody really knew because he was so short. He stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll give back four times. And Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus? I I don't know how he addressed Zacchaeus wanting to give back the money, but Zacchaeus, he probably did this. Zacchaeus, today, salvation has come to this house. You know what he didn't say? Zacchaeus, hell has come to this house and I brought it with me. You know what he didn't say? Zacchaeus, your lifestyle is wrong. And I don't know if you were born that way. I don't know if you're choosing it. But before you do anything about God, you have got to change that. You know what he said? He didn't even listen to Zacchaeus saying, I'll give it back. I'll do this. I'll do this. No, 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 no. This is not about you. This is about Jesus says, this is about me. I've come to your house. Can you get this, church, today? That you didn't do nothing to gain salvation coming to your house. And the moment you try to make somebody else do something for it, you're not a representative of God anymore. You're on the other team. So desperate was Jesus to make Zacchaeus and all the people around him them see that he came to bring salvation. Zacchaeus, today in your house does not come condemnation. Today in your house does not come judgment. Today in your house comes salvation, and it comes from God. He says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, he's a son of Abraham. Do you know how mad this made the Jewish leaders? What do you mean he's a son of Abraham? He's not even Jewish. For the Son of Man came to seek and save 
the loss. Welcome to New Life Christian Church. This is who we are. We will seek and save the lost, and we will recognize when our lostness is still enough in us that our mess looks just like those who are far from God. Is it cold in here? Wow. Okay. Band, you guys can come up. I gotta quit before I become a popsicle. Matthew chapter six. Jesus says that there is a connection between the way you see other people, other people's messes, and the way you see your messes. So whatever those two those two different messes I ask you to think about at the beginning of this, your mess and a mess of somebody that you're closest to, I want you to bring them back to your mind right now because Jesus is going to talk about both of them. He says in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness for God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. This is from a version of the Bible called The Message, and you can get mad at me about this today, but go look at it. I didn't say it. I just read it. And there is so much relief in your life as a Christian. If you've been a Christian a long time and you've been in a lot of churches, at some point you've probably heard that it's your responsibility to protect religious freedom, protect what's God's. And the truth is, I don't know what we have that's our responsibility and what's not, but I know that God can protect himself. Your responsibility is to see the people in your life and not the messes. And to see yours as closer to theirs than you normally would. You were forgiven to forgive. And you were given grace to give grace. So here's what I want you to do today. Here are the handles you can walk out of here carrying some things, okay? Next slide there, Nathan. Today, I want you to pay attention to your, your mess closer than you normally do. If we're not careful, we just kind of do this, we just kind of run through this. I had some terrible financial problems years ago. In fact, I was in this church preaching when I was. It feels like longer ago than it really was. Terrible financial problems. And I remember that I would go home and I would see, back when we had an answering machine, nobody has those anymore, the light blinking and the number. You know, you remember this? Those of you who are 40, <laughs> older, um, You'd see the light blinking, and I knew that out of the 19 messages that were blinking, at least 17 of them were from bill collectors. Probably the other two were my mom telling me that I had mail at her house because they were looking for me in any way they could. And I just ignored it. And I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it. And that stress piled on, and that, that exhaustion piled on. Whatever you've got today, I want you to pay attention to the mess. Hit it head on. Do what you need to do today. And as you do, instead of thinking about you being the only one that can get you out of your mess, I want you to start by saying, God, I know you're in charge. What, the way we started the service today was, God, you first. If you can do that today, you're still going to have to make a phone call back to the bill collectors. <laughs> God won't make that call. I found that out. But let me tell you, with the power of God in your life, which we'll be talking about over the next few weeks, your messes become some of the best stories in your entire life.
When you see a mess this week, here's what I want you to say. Man, it would be amazing. Just one week of everyone in this room doing this and everyone listening, one week, every time you see a mess in somebody else's life that you would like to point at or talk about in some way, say this first. I know a mess when I see one. Boy, that's a mess. And I know a mess when I see one because I am a mess too. I have been there. And if I'm not there right now, I was there at some point. And if I wasn't there at some point, I will be soon. I am a mess too. And I know what a mess looks like because I am one. See, the, the thing about seeing people like this is it causes silence. I've thought about this so much. And those of you who know about my Facebook rants about how we, as Christians, we just ruin Facebook and ruin the Christian reputation, it just has bothered me so much. And it's bothered me when I've heard people that I love so desperately go off about something political or some person, or some group of people, and a belief system that they don't even know the humans involved. They just talk about them. And it has it at times caused me to literally lose faith in what we're doing here. And throughout this, preparing for this sermon, I've been praying, God, get my heart right about that, because what I've been doing is looking at their mess and pointing at it, right? This is happening to me while I'm preaching, while I'm preparing this sermon. And here's what God led me to. That if I want silence, because that's what I want as your preacher, when it comes to people who are broken, when it comes to people that you don't know, when it comes to lifestyle choices with people that you have never even sat across from during a meal, I want you to be silent because I believe you don't know enough about a human to love them the way Jesus loves them. And it's so easy to look at the sawdust with a plank in your own eye. So Jesus... I just, as I've prepared this, God, how can I lead myself and my group, my family here to silence? And the answer is just this. When you look at someone else's life, when you sit with them, you hear their story, you don't judge anymore. So if you find somebody this week, I'm going to make this hard on you. If you're a Christian this week, especially if you're a strong Christian and you have daily quiet time, when you find yourself looking to point at somebody this week, looking at somebody's mess before you look at the person, here's what I'd love for you to do. Have a lunch date. If they're the opposite sex, take your spouse. (laughs) Have a lunch date. Do everything you can in that moment to see the person and not the mess. And remember, your job is not to fix people. You're not very good at that. Your job is to love people to a point where they're open to God fixing them. I love your mess. My favorite thing about New Life Christian Church is that we do messes together. We do our life together, and we address the mess. Over this next series, this next few weeks, we're going to finish this series, and I can't wait to get to share with you what God has for you. But today, I want you to think about what God has laid on your heart. Sing this song with us. Would you stand up?